This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Insulate, makers of the Omnipod system, the world's only tubeless insulin pump. Good morning. Good morning, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? Oh my, so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I have to fly to Georgia on Thursday. Oh. And spend, I believe, six days with my son while he plays baseball. <clears throat> and I hear it's 93 degrees and humid there, so I'm uh, super excited. And yeah, <laughs> I really don't. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I mean, we I- used to. We used to live in Florida, so July is not the time to go south. No, <laughs> not, not at all. I, I realize that, and yet this is when they're doing it, and I'm going. This is episode 30 of the Juice Box podcast. In this podcast, you're going to be listening to a conversation between myself and D-Mom Jess Grimm. Jess and I are talking about the issues that her daughter's having at school and the problems she's having with uh, trying to make the school understand um, some of the needs they have for diabetes technology and, and some freedoms and cell phone use and stuff like that. It's a, it's a little longer than you're used to, uh, by about 10 minutes or so, but hang in there. There's a lot of great conversation. As always, nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical, or otherwise. Here is my conversation with Jess. Are we going to, because I don't know about the sensitivity around your school district and who people know you are and everything, do you want to use your name or do you not want to? Um, It doesn't really matter to me. Okay. Do you want to keep it just first name or no? Um, yeah, well, you know, honestly, it doesn't really matter. I The chances of anybody from her school district finding out yeah. or knowing or because honestly, like that's kind of one of my gripes is like they take no like extra steps at all to learn about anything or look at any of the resources that I try to give them or whatever. So I honestly, I don't really care. Okay. And to be be perfectly honest, I don't think we're going to say anything here that that you wouldn't want them to hear anyway, but I just want to double check. So, okay. Right. Yeah. All right, Jessica. So you sent me a note over Facebook And you had some, like, you wanted to pick my brain a little bit and talk about some problems you were having with school and type 1 diabetes management and stuff like that. And when that happened, I thought, I've done this so many times with so many people because the blogs, you know, it's eight eight years old next month. So I get a lot of notes over the years. Hey, could you, you know, I have three questions. And in the beginning, I used to be like, yeah, sure. And then people would type out these questions and send them to me. And then I'm like rattling away on my keyboard, sending them back. And before long, that seemed like a, like a drudgery. So I, I, I went then to saying to people, just, Hey, why don't you just call me? You know, we'll talk while we're cleaning, you know, cleaning toilets one morning <laughs> and, um, and we'll, and we'll chat through it like, like friends and we'll figure it out. And you are the first person to reach out to me since I have a podcast. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this helps everybody, not just Jessica. So I think what people are about to hear is just a friendly conversation between two people whose children have type 1 diabetes, and we're going to share um, ideas back and forth about about a, a specific issue. Can you just tell me what it is that you're struggling with right now? Well, um, Angelina is in middle school. 
Um, she's going into seventh grade this year and she was diagnosed, uh, when she was in the fourth grade Mm -hmm. and in elementary school, we had a lot of problems. Fortunately, she was only in elementary with diabetes for a little over a year. Um, and I was so happy last year when she moved to middle school because it was a new school. Um, you know, she had about a year and a half of diabetes under her belt at that point. And she's really intelligent, really kind of... I mean, I'm not going to say she's super on top of things because, hey, she's still an 11-year-old kid. But, you know, as far as the age group and the capability, like, she's pretty compliant with her care. You know, there are times she forgets to bolus or she forgets to check or, you know, whatever. All all kids, even adults, you know, with diabetes have those same, the same thing. So, but um, I'm happy with with how well, you know, she takes care of herself when she's on her own. So we really push for independence um, this past year. And, you know, things went pretty well. Uh, We were early adopters of Night Scout. Um, I had set her up on Night Scout about this time last year. Mm -hmm. So when she went back to school, you know, we had that meeting and, you know, the, you know, she's going to have the cell phone on her, but it's not going to be used because, you know, it's part of her, her Dexcom. And, you know, the school was relatively accepting of that. Um, you know, I did try to put it in because my, my specific concern is I want to be able to communicate with her during the day. I want to be able to text her like you do with Arden. Right. Um, because, because she is at that age and she's a very stubbornly independent child, she's also very in tune with her own diabetes and she gets really frustrated, you know, when she has to go to the office and even the, the health staff just don't know that much about her type one. Right. And so she gets really aggravated when they start asking her questions or did you do this or did you do that? And she gets aggravated with me sometimes even, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, sure. and I, and I think that's normal, yeah. but you know, so, but it, it was causing a lot of conflict. Um, and you know, especially when she was in elementary because they were making her come to the office for everything. And, um, I was reading, you know, or listening to your podcast that when you were talking about Arden in second grade and this like light bulb went over my head and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was Angelina in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, she was just spending so much time in the office that her grades suffered because of it. And, you know, and it was really disheartening because the school was just like, well, that's what we need to do. And they didn't seem to care that her academics were suffering. Okay. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that's one of those, well, this is how we've always done it situations. So it, it, it so was, it yeah. so was, they're like, well, you know, and, and I, I what really, what really kind of jumped out at me as well is, you know, I tried telling them like, cause, cause we had this discussion with the nurse and the principal about how their liability. And so they want to be in control of everything because they're liable for her care when she's at school. And I tried explaining to them, like, you know what? I don't have a problem with you guys calling me if there's an issue. Because what was happening is there would be some disagreement between Angelina and the nurse. And then it would turn into a behavioral issue because I have a very strong-willed, stubborn child. And then they would have to call the principal in. And then we're talking, like, punishment-type things here because she's misbehaving. 
sometimes it was because she had a high blood sugar and was just so cranky and had no patience with them because they weren't understanding what she needed at that time. And so I really pushed kind of like for that communication between her and I, and I got this, well, that undermines our authority. So my first thought is, and this doesn't just go for your situation, Evangelina, but it, it, it struck me for everybody. Like, so the concept that the, the school has a responsibility to the child's health, I appreciate that. And I, I agree. I think they have a responsibility to every kid's health in there. What I don't understand is why does having type one diabetes make your daughter different than anyone else? Here's my, here's my thought somewhere in that school. There's a kid walking around whose cholesterol is too high. Why are they shirking their responsibility about that kid's cholesterol? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, why, yeah. why, um, why is the little girl whose sodium intake is too high? How come the school's not overly worried about her? I mean, her blood pressure could go up. She could have a stroke. I mean, I think what they're saying is, you have type one diabetes, so because of that, we're going to take away some of your freedom, and we're going to restrict it because you are what at a greater chance for a problem. I mean, is your daughter really at a greater chance for a problem than anyone else? I mean, couldn't a kid fall off the monkey bars just as easy as her blood sugar could get low? Right. You know, so I think we should keep all the kids off the monkey bars. Um, everybody should eat kale. Uh, they should probably be much more in line with everyone else. Like why is your kid getting, you know, I mean that I think would be my first question is like, why, why are you, because that's how I handled it with, with Arden. When we went in, there was obviously this moment where um, we moved to another school from Arden's um, elementary school to middle school, which might be confusing to some people, but in our town, you start middle school in fourth grade. Um, but it's really just the building. You're not really, you know, it's not classes like middle school, but you're in mm-hmm. the building. So we switched um, nurses. And that nurse, her first thought was, just like you're talking about, and it came from an amazing place. Like she was just very concerned. She said, well, all the, all the kids with diabetes come to me. And I said, yeah, well, Arden's not going to. Arden hasn't been going to the nurse for, you know, almost a year and a half now at her last school. We're not going to start that here. I told her all about her grades and how they had fallen and, and how they're much better now and, and because she's not missing class. And then she just was like, well, that, that's not going to work. How am I going to know what her blood sugar is? And I looked her in the face and I said, you're not going to know what her blood sugar is. Just like you don't know what it is now and you haven't known what it was for the last seven years that she's had diabetes. Like it's not important for you to know what her blood sugar is. It's important for her to know what her blood sugar is and for me to know what her blood sugar is. You're not really involved. Um, trust me, if there's an emergency situation, we're coming right to you and then get to it. I want you to have her supplies. I want you to understand how her pump works. I want all that. That's all great. But it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, what if a kid has a heart attack at the school? Why is she not man- Why is she not monitoring everyone's heart rate all day long? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I, and so I think that's your first bone of contention is that you're, you're restricting my daughter's freedoms and, and because why? Like, you go ahead and explain it to me. Like, because what are they going to say in return? Are they going to call her disabled? Are they going to call her disabled? Yeah. Right. And she's yeah. not. Is that what they're going to try to say? Because you have a, you have an argument right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's and but then but what you're saying is, is that even when you make reasonable arguments, the response you get is too bad. Sort of. 
Yeah, because I made the argument for her to be able to have. Well, actually, let me let me even let me even go this far. So one of our issues, um, like I had mentioned when I contacted you initially on Facebook, was that they won't let her have her phone. Um, They said that she is able to contact me if she goes to the nurse's office and is supervised while she texts or calls me, which, of course, as you know, kind of defeats the purpose because she could call me from the nurse's office and usually honestly that's what happens anytime that there's anything that's out of the ordinary i get a phone call just because their health staff and their office staff just aren't trained well enough to understand anything beyond checking a blood sugar and you know watching her to see how much insulin she gives herself at at a meal or a snack and so their their argument is is that the health staff needs to be involved because of their liability but what you're telling me is is that their understanding and concept of type 1 diabetes is significantly not, less than yours. Right. They're not doing anything. Honestly, at her right. school, the health tech is a glorified record keeper. Right. Angelina does all of her own care. She does her own finger sticks. She does her own bolusing. They don't even touch her pump. They don't even know how to use her pump. Mm-hmm. She tells them, my blood sugar is 175. I'm giving myself 2.3 units of insulin. They write it down. So they're, and they're doing nothing. That's kind of it. Yeah. No, yeah. they're doing nothing. Right. Right. And and we're at the point now to where if they, the, like I said, she's doing most of her care. Yeah. She checks in with the nurse at lunch. You know, they were more accommodating in that. They're not making her go to the office all the time. She carries, you know, stuff with her. She carries her pump and her meter and snacks and everything. But my issue is that, especially now with Cher, because I can see like, oh, hey, she's going low. We've had some days she's like in the 40s right. and she maybe doesn't hear her Dexcom. The nurse doesn't know anything. The health tech doesn't know anything. Sure. Sometimes she doesn't even know. She doesn't She doesn't usually feel her highs and lows, um, which is why we started her on the Dexcom in the first place. Absolutely. And so what's happening is then she's low for an hour, two hours in the afternoon, and and I have no way of getting a hold of her. Or she has no way of communicating with me like, hey, I'm treating, but my blood sugar is not coming up. Right, right. So, <laughs> well, that's really interesting. Now, have you explained that to them? Have, have you like given them that real-world example? Because I think that example indicates to me that what they're saying not only doesn't work, but it's not effective and and it, they're not doing what they say they're doing. I think what you could say to them is, look, I can see her blood sugar. You're telling me that she has to come to you to keep her safe and healthy. But the way you have it set up is not accomplishing that. If, you, right. if you'd let me do it my way, then this wouldn't be happening. Well, what happens is they say, well, she's supposed to go to the nurse if that happens. That's what that's what they tell me. And the, uh, there's no understanding for the concept that she might not feel that she's low or or, or hear the Dexcom because that, I mean, listen, nope. Arden does, you know, Arden does exactly what you're saying. That's how we manage while we're at school. And before the share, before I could see her CGM status, you know, on my cell phone or my watch or whatever, what we would do is we would set up times to text each other um, and set timers up at, at increments that would hopefully stop a low or a high from happening because for the for the exact reason of because we're human, because we might forget, because she might not feel it, and because no, somebody might not hear the Dexcom beeping. Like mm-hmm. Those are the actual reasons we set those up. And we've let most of those... Um, those like incremental like alarms go now because of the share, because now there's a concept there that I can see it and she can see it. And one of us is going to say it. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's so frustrating. Are they frustrating <laughs> about other things too? Um, Is it just a, a building full of people who don't get it? It's not just well, about diabetes. Um, sort of. It, it kind of is because she has other issues as well. You know, we're not just dealing with diabetes. She has ADHD. She's in the um, GATE program, which is like the gifted and talented uh, okay. program. And we've had some issues because of her ADHD, because of her diabetes, because of the amount of time that she misses in class. I mean, even this past year where she was a lot more independent, there's still times that, you know, she would miss class or whatever or sit out PE or, you know, something stupid like that because like, oh, you know, her blood sugar is doing something crazy. Right. And and so, you know, there's there's some pushback there sometimes or just a, not an understanding. But the big like thing that they are like, completely inflexible on is the technology here's the kicker with this she goes to an ipad school actually the entire (laughs) district is an ipad district every single kid in her school district has is issued an ipad at the beginning of the school year okay and i had even requested like okay because their their argument with the phone is well we don't know if she has her phone out if she's playing on it or if she's communicating with you so and like what was your answer to that because my answer would have been so what when that happens, then we'll deal with it. If that happens, let's not, let's not destroy my child's health over a premature concern that she can't handle just taking her phone out, texting me and putting it away again. Right. Well, their kind of rebuttal was, well, you know, other kids are going to have their, try to have their phones out then because they don't know that Angelina has, you know, special privileges because of her medical condition. Well, that's insane. And exactly. It's kind of that, well, so what, you know, like that's not my problem. My problem is trying to keep my child healthy and safe. Forget forget whether it's your problem or not. The, the, the logic is faulty. Um, so what they're saying is, is that if a cell phone is part of my health care, then everyone else will want a cell phone. But the CGM is part of a health care. How come the kids haven't come flowing into the school with Dexcoms? Well, that's kind of what I said as well. We actually, because I said she's on night, she was on Night Scout, and then we moved to the Share, and now we use we use the Share mostly. But I, we both have Pebble watches, right? And so she has a Pebble watch. We got, I got her a Pebble watch back in January thinking nice. like, you know, because she was missing a lot of those Dexcom alarms. And I think part of it is like she was embarrassed because every single day her Dexcom is going off in the afternoon. And we right. made some basal adjustments and, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. But we got, I got her a Pebble watch in January and I'm thinking like, hey, it's on your wrist. You don't ever have to pull your Dexcom out. You know, you have it there. It'll vibrate and let you know what's going on. Right. And that did improve things a little bit. Good. But even with that, my husband is like, well, she's, you know, have you told the school about that? And I said, no, I'm afraid to, because I'm afraid they're going to say no. You know, at yeah. this point, it's just a watch to them. I, <laughs> as so, soon as I say, you know. So I'm going to go, I, I, I'm going to go back into, into our own, like my situation with Arden, because everything that you've said here, everything that you've said, they've said, someone has said to me at some point. <laughs> um, and, and it's hard to be too angry about it because I do think people have these very measured, you know, I I think a lot of people's responses to a lot of things, I could guess what they're going to be before they have the response. And, and in the end, they don't want, they're guarding against very simple things. Like they're always guarding for themselves. Like they don't want your kid doing something egregious with that phone, you know, but the fact of the matter is that other kids in the school have phones Mm -hmm. and just because they haven't declared I have a cell phone doesn't mean they don't have one and doesn't mean they're not using it. I I mean, at this point in the, in, in time, 
I don't think there's many people on the planet who can't text their kid in the middle of the day and get a response back pretty quickly. Um, and, And that's happening all over the place. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying that it's happening with everyone. You're the only one that has a real need for the phone. and You're the one they're going to come after and say, no, you definitely can't have it. Mm-hmm. So, um, we actually had an issue with that, um, towards the end of the school year. Right. She had, um, well, I, I'm, they called it skipping class. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. So what happened is she had gone into the restroom to text me. Right. And was late for class. And so I got a phone, she got sent to the principal's office and I got a phone call from the principal that she was in the restroom on her phone and they were calling to see whether it was her, quote, diabetes phone and whether they could confiscate it or not. So I think that I would probably, if I'm you and I'm in this situation, I think I would start with a conversation that says, look, Obviously, we're in a mess right now. Everything's not working. Everything you're trying to do isn't helping her. Everything I'm trying to do, we're not able to do. You know, in the end, her health is suffering. Like, talk about it in real numbers like that. Tell them, like, look, you know, her blood sugars are dangerously low at points. She doesn't have contact. They're high. They're going to cause her long-term issues. I would tell them what those long-term issues are, just in case they're not completely aware, and say... So what I'm saying to you is I believe that if you let me contact my daughter and let her contact me, what, what may some days be a couple of times, what, say, what may some days may be never, and what some days may be more than you would expect. But it'll, it'll average out. You know, most days won't be too egregious one way or the other. Why don't you let us do this and see what happens? What, what's the harm in trying? You know, yes. is, you know it, what, what is the harm in trying? Um, you know, there's, I mean, what could it possibly be? Okay. So a bunch of kids in the class go, it's not fair that she has her phone out. Well, then the teacher would say it is fair that she has her phone out because she's working on something that's, you know, medically related and you're not so shut up (laughs) and that's the end of it. And like, why, why would we then start going, well, other people want to have cell phones. We have to worry about that. That's such a ridiculous least common denominator thinking, you you know, like, let's protect everybody at the same level. Let's make sure everyone follows the same rules. It's not, it's not, it's the idea of it being a cell phone. It's messing with them. If it was something else, trust me, it wouldn't matter. It's the exact problem. So what I said to the school was, look, not only do I want her to have access to her cell phone, I want her to be able to use it wherever she is. And I want her to be on Wi-Fi. Um, and, and so that, you know, in case she gets into a part of the building where there's a bad signal, which most of these buildings are built out of block anyway, and there's bad signals all over the place. So the guy says to me, sure, she can be on the Wi-Fi." And I said, well, no, not the Wi-Fi, the teacher's Wi-Fi." I said, because your Wi-Fi blocks a lot of things and it's very inconsistent and it drops in and out and you always have to kind of bang back on it and put your, put your password back in again. I said, this has to be constant. So I remember the day that I went into the principal's office with Arden's phone and I said, here, I don't want to know your Wi-Fi password. I don't want her to know it. Like, that's not what this is about. We're not going to share it with anybody. We just need access to it. And he took her phone and looked at her. And, you know, she was the summer before fourth grade. And she's tiny already. And he looked down at her and he goes, it's only for your diabetes stuff. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and he put, <laughs> he put in the password and handed her the phone back. Not only has there never been a problem. Not only have I never seen Arden, you know, post to Instagram in the middle of the day or something like that, but a year or so later when we were in the building at night for, 
I want to say pictures for like recreation basketball or something like that, which is where they were holding the picture taking for the town. Mm-hmm. We were early and Arden was like, um, a, lot, a bunch of the girls are on Instagram and I wanted to make sure I could be. And I was like, what? And she goes, because I'm on the Wi-Fi right now. It was like eight o'clock at night on a Saturday evening. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And she was like, okay. But that's how seriously she took it when the guy said to her, look, when you're on my Wi-Fi, it's about your diabetes and nothing else. I don't know. Why would your daughter do any differently? And not only that, but I got to go back to something that you said. I've never, I've never, it's never been my inclination to laugh when someone's told me that their child has ADHD before, but I almost did when you said it because the school is like, well, I don't understand why she's not doing a better job of focusing on this. And like, why can't she just come down when she's low? And then you told me she had ADHD. I'm like, well, how is that not a consideration for them? Oh, it totally isn't. She's had ADHD. She was diagnosed with ADHD in the first grade and it's always been an issue. Um, it becomes an issue with the with the gifted program because okay. she's not the most focused and um, on student. Uh, she's incredibly intelligent, right. and you can talk to her, and she you'll be totally blown away by the things that she says, like most adults are. Um, but then you know sometimes she just she just doesn't Does she, she just, just spaces out yeah, yeah. yep she just spaces out and so you know she misses instructions or things happen so then when you have the same kid who now all of a sudden because like I said she was diagnosed in fourth grade who now is going to the nurse's office in the middle of class she misses the instructions and because of her ADHD it doesn't occur to her when she comes back to go check with the teacher and say hey what did I miss oh sure. And so then she misses it, and then she it doesn't occur to her to ask, what did I miss? Yeah. And then she just like is like, oh, I don't know what to do, so just I'm just not going to do it. I'm, th- I'm <laughs> telling you, at last, in fourth grade, by the middle of fourth grade, Arden was convinced that she didn't understand math in a way that made her concerned for herself. And I was starting to think the same thing. I was like, wow, she's way behind everybody else. And her concepts are not not right. I mean, the whole thing was skewed really heavily towards, you know, I said to Kelly, I'm like, we, you know, that some of that money we put aside for college, maybe we could do something with it because I don't think she's going to need it. <laughs> you know, like, like she was really, you know, like it was looking bad. And then she moved to, you know, fifth grade where I said to her teacher, look, she's really behind in math. Like, you just need to be aware of that. And it was by the first parent-teacher conference where the woman said to me, the teacher goes, I don't see any indication that Arden's understanding of math is behind everyone else's, but for some reason her her execution is. So she got her back together in a couple of months, and now we just got a letter in the off-season. It's the off season now. There's, it's summer here, and we just got a letter. She's being put in the higher math level in sixth grade. But when we go back and look over really detailed what happened in – and this is ridiculous, but in second and third grade and first grade, she would get up and leave the class at the same exact time to go to the nurse. But in second and third grade, she had the same teacher, so they were running the same schedule. So for so for almost a year and a half, she was leaving to go to the nurse and missing the beginning of the math instruction every mm-hmm. time. And then when I finally went back and spoke to that teacher about it, who, by the way, is an amazing teacher... So even if you've got the best one, I mean, this woman's been teacher of the year. You, you know, it was it eluded her that that was happening. And then as she thought about it, she said, oh, my God, I start a lesson 
And before I'm done, Arden left, would go to the nurse, come back, and by then we'd be to the work. And I would just hand it to her. And she goes, I just, I guess the leaving to the nurse thing became such a, like such a part of the day, like such a a thing that she expected to happen. She never thought of what it was intersecting with. Mm -hmm. And now she, and now Arden's math, you know, obviously is, it's fine. It, It insults me what they said to you and what it's been said to me in the past, that idea that like, well, because your child has type one diabetes, it's going to be acceptable for them to get less education and less instruction than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I've said it in a past episode. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's if I said to you, you know, to a person whose kid didn't have to go to the nurse, look, you know, hey, listen, every day for about five minutes here and about 10 minutes there, it'll just be a total of about 45 or 50 minutes in total every day. Your child's just not going to be in the classroom. It'll be random. You'd be like, no, that's imp- but I, I, I'm not letting you do that. And the school would never say that. But now that oh, I have type 1 diabetes, now suddenly the school's like, oh, it's okay if she misses 50 minutes of class a day. How is that okay? You know, just because that's how it was done in the past? And in the past, I understand it maybe, when, you know, this technology didn't exist and you were literally going to the nurse to strike a hole in your finger to find out what your blood sugar was and make it, but that's not how it works anymore. Your kid's seeing your blood sugar in real time. Mm -hmm. You're completely losing, I'm on a rant now, but you're completely losing a large chunk of the day. I mean, if you consider her going out the door, I don't know, I'm guessing, what, 7 o'clock in the morning? She leaves, she, school starts at 8.20 in the morning. She okay. leaves, we live, we live half a block from the school, so okay. it, she leaves at like 8.15. So, okay, so, so from 8 o'clock in the morning until she gets home in the afternoon, let's just say it's 3 o'clock. So for 8 hours of a 24-hour day, a third of every day, you're not keeping her blood sugar in the same range as you would be when she's at home. You're giving away a third of her care, like a day. Over them, over some mealy like mouth opposition to her being able to text you and say, "Mom, my BG is forty. I had candy. It didn't work. What do you think I should do next?" That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's putting my brain to sleep, and it put Basil to sleep. He's snoring in the back. <laughs> hey, that's my upbeat, snazzy ad music. So it must be time to talk about today's sponsor, Omnipod. Uh, before I read the copy that Omnipod asked me to read. I wanted to let you know that the the very first time I saw an Omnipod insulin pump was at a kind of a pump training thing that the, our children's hospital put on. And, you know, we all got brought into this room and there was a number of insulin pumps kind of spread out on these tables everywhere. And Omnipod caught my eye immediately. I mean, the tubeless nature of it was was intriguing, but it also struck me pretty immediately that when the company made changes to this to this insulin pump, you know, whether it was, you know, size or quality or whatever it was they were going to change or fix integration with i don't know glucose monitors whatever i could kind of imagine down the road i kept thinking like as soon as they make the change we're going to get the new one you know because that was such a big deal back then people would tell you you know be careful picking your insulin pump because you're stuck with it you know and and that kind of thing but you know very recently about last year um, omnipod changed the size of the pump and they made it drastically smaller and as soon as they started making the new smaller one those are the ones that started shipping. You know, I didn't have to go back to my insurance company and start over again. It's just when Omnipod made a, an upgrade, I got the upgrade. And, and I remember as clear as day saying to my wife, um, you know, I think that's going to be a real positive about this, this self-contained kind of, kind of thing we were looking at. Anyway, here comes that ad copy. You ready? Now that back to school is in full swing, the control you get from continuous insulin delivery is more important than ever. And continuous insulin delivery is just what you get with Omnipod. 
and now you don't have to worry about tangled tubing or visible needles. Insertion is virtually painless, which means your child can go back to just being a child. The best way to understand Omnipod is to try it for yourself. So get a free demo kit, including a sample non-functioning pod by going to www.myomnipod.com forward slash demo and see what you think. There's no obligation. So you have to come at this. I mean, it is a negotiation, but I mean, some of my best advice that I've, that has worked for me and as we will say at the beginning of the episode, none of this is actually advice. I shouldn't be using that word. But um, but the things that I've done in the past that worked for me the best was just a couple of simple negotiations, like skills. Like one of them I find to be maybe the most it's the best tool in, in I think in your in your in your belt when you go into fight is when a demand is made, when a verbal demand is made in any kind of a negotiation, I think it is basically a rule of negotiation that the next person who speaks loses. <laughs> so you have to be kind of comfortable in the silence for a minute. And and that might start out with you saying, are you comfortable with my daughter's health being lesser because she's in your care? And then just sit there because whoever you're asking that of is not going to say yes. They will say no. And once they've out loud indicated no, then you can lead the conversation in the direction you want it to be. But if you start making declarative statements like what you're doing is bad for her, they can say, well, we don't believe that because she can go to the nurse's office. Does that make right. sense? Right. Right. And so it's, it, it can, and it can be done without anybody noticing and it can be done without malice because that's kind of the next part of this dealing with school thing that that I think is really important, which is it is difficult sometimes to go in those rooms and not let your ego, I'm not saying this has happened to you, but, but to let your ego take over to feel like, wow, I'm like, I'm getting screwed here. Like, you know, and kind of lash out. I go into those school meetings knowing what Arden needs and not caring what happens to get to them. I don't care how I look or if I look like a pushover or if I look like an idiot, like it doesn't matter to me. Like to me, it's not about that. And I, I always, I always say that, you know, she's going to be in that school for 12 years, however long. This is a long-term play, right? Like, like it doesn't help me if I'm the annoying father, if I'm the guy who's always bugging them, if I'm the guy that's always asking for things, you know. And so even when there's mistakes, I let it fall back on me. Mm-hmm. I've apologized for things that are not my fault in those situations more times than I can count. Um, mm-hmm. They one time uh, back in elementary school missed Arden's blood sugar check uh, before when she was in kindergarten and sent her out on the on the playground where she was dangerously low. I'm the one that called them and said, "Look, she was you were supposed to check in with me ten minutes ago and you didn't. Where's Arden?" And my phone call stopped her from having a problem. And still, when I went into the school, you know, to talk it over with the nurses again and explain why it was so important. <clears throat> excuse me. I led with, this is my fault. Like I said those words to them. I'm like, look, I don't want you to feel badly about this. This is totally my fault. Let me tell you something, Jessica. It wasn't my fault. I I explained to them a thousand times this was going to happen, but there was no good that was going to come from me charging in there and going, look, I told you this is what was going to happen, and you failed, and you fell apart, and you almost did this, because all that does to another human being is makes them defensive. Mm-hmm. So, So I use a lot of negotiation ploys when I'm having these conversations, but in a very personable and upbeat way, I always keep the conversations 
light. They're jokey. I had the, the last time we were in Arden's 504 meeting a couple weeks ago, I thought I should record this. People would never believe this is a 504 meeting. <laughs> like I'm telling stupid jokes and, you know, not at one point, I, I think I cursed and everyone looked up at me and I was like, oh, we're not all adults here. I was like, I'm sorry. I look good. We're in a school in a closed room. I can't say crap, you know? So, um, and so, and just kept it very, very loose over the years that built like a, it's a, it's a human relationship now. Like now the 504 meeting is where people get together and, you know, as an ancillary, we talk about Arden's blood sugar, you know, and stuff like that. And I will tell you that making them, I never don't start those meetings with, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that Arden's last day one C was 6.1. It's just, this is, um, I'm here to thank you for that. This is in large part to your flexibility around Arden's care. Had you guys not done A, B, and C over the years, we wouldn't be in this situation. Then I explained to them what an A1C is in case someone in the room doesn't know. And I keep it very general. You know, I say Arden gets a blood test every three months. This is an indication of what her average blood sugar was. I'll joke sometimes, you know, the last time I told them it was 5.9, I said, her A1C is probably better than yours. You, <laughs> you, you know, like, and this is, this is amazing. Here's what you're doing. You're, you're lengthening her life. You're making her healthier. Um, and not just like, not just platitude statements like that. Like I have in the past explained to them, you know, I'm like, have you guys ever really considered what it means to have high blood sugar? And, um, excuse me one second, I'm going to get Sure. And I said to a group, I'm like, have you ever considered what it really means to have high blood sugar? And, uh, one of the assistant principals kind of looked off into the, into the distance, like, I guess I haven't. And I said, um, you know, imagine spilling some just table sugar out on the table and pick up a granule and see how it's kind of boxy and sharp. And I said, well, on the molecular level, sugar still looks like that. It still has sharp edges and it's coarse. And I said, when you have too much in your bloodstream and it's flowing through, it's scraping the inside of everywhere where there's blood in your body and there's blood in your body everywhere. So you are slowly, for lack of a better term, sandblasting your body from the inside out. And that's how, when you hear people say, oh, um, I, I know a person who has diabetes, they have trouble with their vision. They have trouble with their vision because the sugar in their blood has rubbed their vessels thin, you mm -hmm. know, when they have heart disease. And that's the explanation I gave them. I dumbed it down to like what would be considered like the easiest way to understand. So when I don't tell you it's not good for Arden's blood sugar to be high, that's what I mean. And every time we have this conversation, you say high blood sugar and want to just write it off in your head as a mistake that was made with insulin or counting carbs that we'll correct later. I don't want you to think about it that way. I want you to think about it as my daughter's body being sandblasted from the inside out. Because the reason I want you to think about it that way is because that's how I think about it. And so if I've got to live in this, you know, this anxiety for my entire life, if you want to sit around and make decisions about my daughter's health, then you get to think about it like that too. And I said, and make no mistake about what we're talking about with low blood sugars. My first, my first indication is always to keep Arden safe and healthy. But my next thought at school is I never want her to be the girl that passed out, right? Like that's the stuff I'm trying to like, I, I mean, I, I understand that a very low blood sugar could be very dangerous and eventually it could result in death. And I'm not unaware of that or not unconcerned of it. 
But I generally believe that in a school setting, if Arden were to pass out from a low blood sugar, that someone would probably come along with glucagon and, and, and bring her back. But that's not the story of who my daughter is. And I don't want that story to be written in your building because you don't want her to have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, let's not be ridiculous for a minute, okay? You're talking about your, you know, your legal responsibility here. You're taking far less great care of her than I would. And, and not only that, but if I tell you that she and I are going to be talking back and forth through text message, doesn't that alleviate your responsibility? Well, and that's kind of the point that I tried to make um, towards the end of fifth grade uh, with the, the district nurse supervisor that we had. As I said, look, I'm like, I get it. You know, you guys feel like you're liable for her care while she's here. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that if I'm the one saying do this or do that, I'm the one making the decision. I'm the one that's responsible, just like I am for her all the other time that she's not at school and did that because that's almost the same sentence i spoke like when you when i take you out of the loop the liability lays lies with me and my and the people in the room that i spoke to got a big smile on their face like "Ooh, he's right sure do whatever you want like that was literally the that that was there was a small pause while i saw the person who's in charge of the legal decisions go over it in her head and then she was like this is fine with us like she literally looked at everyone else in the room and like let's not argue about this what he just said to you is if something goes bonkers wrong with that kid's health it's on him he can't even sue us like, <laughs> like they were they were thrilled um but that didn't happen for you no that didn't no what actually what actually happened is that made them dig their heels in harder and that's when i heard the well that undermines our authority because then when they are involved she says, call my mom, ask my mom. And apparently they don't want her to ask me. They don't want to have to ask me for permission or for my input. They want to be able to say, no, do this. Yeah, but the, and, you're telling me that they're not making decisions, though. She's making well, decisions. Yeah. Well, at this point, right. Because like I said, yeah. this was at the end of fifth grade. Right. And then it kind of rolled over. <laughs> and I think part of it, too, is maybe just that kind of attitude rolled over into this past year. Yeah. And what happened is, because I, I write her 504, I usually, I, I use the um, the sample 504 from the ADA mm-hmm. and rewrote it to our specific situation, our specific needs. And then I take that in with my things, because we do our... Um, we do our 504 meeting in October. And so I took that in at the beginning of this past year. And I'm like, these are the things that, you know, I want, we went over it, the changes that I made versus the previous year. And the one thing that that came back is because I did have in there, you know, she's allowed to carry her cell phone. She's allowed to contact us. And the assistant principal who is our 504 coordinator says, well, we need to change that. She can have her cell phone on her, but she can't use it unless she's being supervised by <laughs> office staff. Well, what's wrong with her being super? What's wrong with her doing it in front of a teacher in the room? I mean, there's the, a well. That was the thing adult. is the teacher has the teacher has too many students, and the teacher can't be responsible for monitoring her. But there's Just nothing to monitor. The, no, there's not, and, right. and 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 that's kind of how I feel as well. It's it's like saying you know it's like saying they're supervising her when she bullises. They're not supervising her. All they're doing is they're writing down how much insulin she tells them. That was inter- she's giving I, herself. When when we first moved to the middle school, that was the next thing the nurse said after after she said, "Well, I see all the girls," and I said, "You don't need to see Arden. It's fine," and then. She goes, well, how will I know what her blood sugars are? And I said, you won't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what would be interesting is if you could talk to her now. Because because what she would tell you is, I you know, I never see Arden. Arden isn't where – and I won't even knock on wood because this isn't luck. This is planning. 
third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade, three consecutive school years, Arden has not been in the nurse's office for anything diabetes related. Mm-hmm. Never once. I go in in the beginning of the year to drop off her supplies. I come back at the end of the year to pick up her supplies. She never touches them. There are lances and test strips and extra pods that just sit in that office because it, ma- because it makes them feel better. And I guess if she ever runs out of test strips, I guess she could go down and get them. But we do end up in the nurse's office four times a year for pod changes that come up at weird times or, you know, like sometimes there's a high blood sugar and I'm like, I've, I'm out of, I'll text Arden. I'll be like, I'm out of ideas. Like we're going to just change your site now. Mm-hmm. And um, our school's close by. I'll roll over. I te- it's even funny. Like I come into the front office and sign in and in a post nine 11 world, like there's a computer with my picture in it. And you know, you, you know, it's not easy to get into that building anymore. I mm-hmm. sign in, I tell the person I'm going to the nurse's office to change Arden's insulin pump. And she goes, okay, do you need me to call her? And I go, no, I already texted her. She's on her way down. Mm-hmm. You know, and we basically meet at the door, we go in, we pull a curtain back and five seconds later, we're back out of the curtain again. And she's back on her way to be perfectly honest, pretty soon. I'm not even going to do those pod changes. I'm just going to mm-hmm. leave extra pods and, and insulin in the school and she can do them herself. Right. Uh, you know, but it just, my, my point is, and I think that this is obviously at some point you're going to have to have a calm personal face-to-face conversation with this assistant principal and start by saying something like we've gotten, it's almost going to be like marriage counseling. You're not going to be like, look, I don't know how we've gotten to this bad place, but we're here. And since we're not getting divorced, we better figure out how to, um, you know, how to get this back on track again, because, because I think you can get there. I mean, that's what you're talking about. The fears and the concerns that you're talking about that your school has were the same ones that I was faced with. What I'm seeing now is the only difference between you and I is when we switched schools, I was able to bring along a teacher and a nurse who came to that meeting with me from the elementary school and said to them, listen, I know everything we're talking about here seems different than how we do it, but you have to listen to this guy. This has been working. Give, mm-hmm. give him a chance. And then they gave me a chance and then it worked. And now you know, it's like everything else now. That's just accepted that this is how it happens. Right. But you have to be able to get back to that spot somehow. And that's yeah. that's going to be a, a delicate conversation, I think. Yeah. We're at the point this year where, because um, what, what happened last year, like I said, the only time that she was required to go to the nurse was at lunchtime. Even if she wasn't eating lunch, she would have to go and check her blood sugar and then she would bolus if she needed to. Mm -hmm. Um, With her doctor's orders, the only thing that she was required to do in the nurse's office is she's not allowed to give insulin without supervision. And I'm even at a point, like I said, the, the nurse or the health tech or the office, we went through seven health techs this year. (laughs) So, even if the person at the beginning of the year knew what was going on, by the time we were to the second or third person, they didn't know. I, they I, had no idea. I like that we're, we're, we're taking these health techs and ascribing them as, as you know, <clears throat> as professionals in this situation. I would tell you that there are times that my nurse practitioner knows less about diabetes than we do. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and, you know, she's highly trained and, and, and uh, much more advanced than a health tech at your school, I'm imagining. So, mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's just... Well, I mean, maybe that is the conversation. Like you say to her, look, you keep talking about your liability and your, your, you know, responsibility, except that 
you know, if you really want to be liable, then you need to put a, a real health professional in here, not her. I mean, maybe, you know, if you get back into an argument, which I hope you don't, but if you do, maybe that's where you could say, look, if you're, if you're insisting on being in charge of my daughter's health, then we need to have a competent, qualified person on here. You know, I hope you're ready to staff a $100,000 a year position for that. <laughs> you know, or maybe you could just let me text with my daughter. Right. Well, and that was the thing is at the beginning of the year, we did have a nurse, but then it was like she wasn't really doing anything. So that's when, you know, it switched. And then we just had health techs. We didn't have a nurse anymore, which, again, I was fine with because I know that my daughter knows what she's doing. And I also know that she does have that ability to contact me if she needs help. Right. Um, she just doesn't have the ability to do it while she's sitting in class and, and only misses, you know, maybe uh, listens with a half ear instead of having to leave the classroom, go to the office to say like, hey, what should I do? And, and we're at the point now, she has a doctor's appointment coming up um, in a few weeks before school starts to get her doctor's orders for the year. And I'm honestly at the point where I'm ready to say to her doctor, like, look, let's just write that she's independent because then she's not required to go to the nurse then. But at the same time, like, I'm not fully comfortable with her being completely on her own with no guidance. Yeah. And in that situation, you know, if the doctor's order mm -hmm. don't say she has to come to the nurse, like, there's a really good chance that who's ever in the office at any given time isn't even going to know who she is. Is, yeah. Let alone how to take care of her it's, if something should such come an up. Easy fix. Like if your doctor says she's independent but needs to be able to contact her mother without having to waste time in between. Mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you this, and you're gonna you'll you might hate me for this, but um, Arden's latest 504 isn't back yet. We've already had our meeting after the school year, and it's it, it'll it'll come to me you know in the mail just so I have a copy of it. Mm -hmm. But we made two small adjustments. One of them, I don't even remember what it was. <clears throat> I remember reading it and thinking, oh, that sentence isn't necessary anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I almost offhandedly said to them, I said, hey, can I trade you sentences in the 504? And they're like, what's up? I said, well, see this whole part here. And they said, yeah. I said, go ahead and you can lose that. We don't need that anymore. That was for when she was younger. I said, but if you can just move Arden's cell phone under um, a medical device, that's all I really need. Mm -hmm. And she goes, why? And I explained how the Dexcom share worked. And I said, so that sharing piece doesn't work without the cell phone to act as a bridge. And she goes, oh, well, then it's part of the medical device. I said, it absolutely is now. And she goes, okay. And just like that, they took the cell phone and they moved it under. There's a list of medical devices and they moved it there. Mm -hmm. And when I left the room... It was hard to contain how excited I was that I got that accomplished. <laughs> I was just like, and don't don't get me wrong. Even if she was listening, I wouldn't be embarrassed. I didn't get one over on her. She saw the, she saw the reasoning behind it. We're at a at a spot now at, with my with Arden's school, where at the end of the five hundred four meeting, I said, look, this doesn't have anything to do with five hundred four, but I said the way we're handling these, you know, because I don't know what it, what it is in everyone else's state, but it used to be here. There used to be the NJS testing that happened, and then they mm -hmm. switched to Park now, and you know it'll be something new two years from now. Whatever, whatever testing company offers the governor the most money, I guess will be will be what's best for our kids. But but nevertheless, there's these standardized testing situations where the testing company does not want the kids to have access to the outside world. Mm -hmm. So Arden is forced to take those tests like in a private office with a teacher who sits with her. 
mm-hmm. and it's usually like a gym teacher who hangs out with her. And then when I text her, the gym teacher looks at the text mm-hmm. and then says, pushes a, basically pushes a button on a timer and says, Arden, your dad's texting you about your diabetes, hands her the phone. We go back and forth for, you know, that's the part that I think is hilarious. We go back and forth for 30 seconds or less, make these quick adjustments to her blood sugar. And she hands the phone back to the person, the testing person. They start, they restart the clock and Arden keeps testing. And so I said, after the 504 meeting, I'm like, it's so ridiculous. I said, why are we doing that? And she goes, I agree with you. I'd be happy to let Arden take the testing class with everybody else and just look at her phone when she needs to for this. She goes, but the testing company is adamant that these kids can't have access to the outside world. And I laughed and I said, because my... Because my 10 or 11-year-old daughter really gives a crap how she's doing on this standardized test enough to try to cheat with Google while she's doing it. Right. Arden doesn't care. She doesn't even understand what the test is for. And so she laughed and she offered. She's like, you know what? She goes, sometime late in the summer, I'm going to loop you in with the testing company. We're going to try to figure this out together. Now, Mm -hmm. that was the kind of openness and understanding for Arden's diabetes that a few years ago... I did not expect we would ever get to, but mm-hmm. you know, now we're there we're like, and maybe we're lucky cause I haven't, we haven't changed staff in the office and things like that. But this person's now not just there because she has to be, she's on Arden's side all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll get to that spot. It just takes a lot of time. I hope so. Yeah. You know, a lot of stupid conversations I think are the, is the biggest problem. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, after talking about what do you think the, your best plan of attack is here? Um, well, honestly, I think, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about just kind of asking those questions, right? Asking the, are you okay with this? Instead of making a statement and saying like, this isn't okay, because like you said, like then they have kind of the choice to rebut against your statement. And I think that that, you know, it's not something that, that you, it's not something you really think of. And I don't know about you. Um, I've... It's really interesting because generally the 504 meeting is a bunch of women, including myself. And we had issues where it it just felt like they weren't hearing me. And ironically enough, I said to my husband, I'm like, look, I can't do this on my own. I want you to come with me to the next 504 meeting. They listened to him. Yeah. The problem is that he's not the primary caregiver. So a lot of this stuff he doesn't see as necessary, just like they don't see it as necessary because Mm -hmm. he's not the one that's dealing with it all day, every day. And so it kind of, in some ways, puts me back a little bit. And then we get home and I'm like, why did you say that was okay? Because that wasn't okay with me. (laughs) (laughs) It it is interesting how that all happens. And I've run into it being a stay-at-home dad for over 15 years now. I've said to my wife in the past, I was like, it's so strange how even though we're a group of people in a room all doing the same thing, I get treated differently for being a guy, which mm-hmm. is just, it's sad and unnecessary. And, but it is, it, I do think it's true on, you know, on some level, I might not understand the psychology behind it, but you in that room by yourself, you may be at more of a disadvantage and, and for whatever reason, putting your husband in the room changes things. But then, like you said, then he doesn't know what to say. Is there a reason you didn't just look at him and go, Hey, um, Sparky, you're not right about that. And, and this is it. And just turn to them for a second and go, he might not understand this piece of it, but it, it, it's, yeah, I guess it's difficult. Cause then you, you kind of look like you're 
it's not a united front then. And, and then they go, well, in, if they can't even agree on this, then, then why are we know. agreeing yeah, to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, geez, that's tough. You could, you could wear a man-tailored shirt and pull your hair back. And, and, and it's so funny because, like I said, because it's still women. But it's like – so it's not even like I'm a woman going into a room full of men and them going like, oh, it's just – you know. And it's just – it's interesting. That dynamic is always interesting to me, like how much more they pay attention and are more willing to negotiate when my husband is there than when it's just me by myself. That's something that's – not, that's not something I ever – I consider, but I definitely see how that could be true. Um yeah, I mean, you know, not to belabor the point, but I, I really do believe in that in that not asking an open-ended question and being mm-hmm. direct. You know, you obviously know what you need. And mm-hmm. so being direct about it and, and keeping yourself out of positions where they can redirect the conversation. Because, I mean, think about, just think back on any terrible argument that you've ever had where you start out talking about something very, very important. And before you know it, it's 25 minutes later. You're 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 rubbing your head. There's a person you really care about that's 25 feet away from you, as far across the room as they could possibly be, also rubbing your head. You're now talking about, you know, a movie you were at one time, and your brain goes, "How did we get on this? Like, how did we make so many <laughs> leaps and get to this? We're fighting about seeing Jar Jar Binks in that Star Wars movie, now. <laughs> and I don't understand. We started off by talking that the that the living room needed a new rug, and you know, like like how did we get all the way here? And it's because it's how people it's how people argue. It's how your brain works. It's you know, someone says something to you. And you want to defend yourself. And when you can't defend yourself on the point, you, your brain just parses and goes, well, this is sort of like that. And mm-hmm. I'm right about this. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you say that. And then the other person's like, what the hell? And then, and then they start arguing with about that. And before you know it, you're, you're nine steps away from what you started talking about. And I think that's happening to you, except it's happening to you in a defensive posture and you're saying, well, this is very important. And they're going, well, that's why we're sending her to the nurse. And then you're like, damn it. I'm trying to get away from Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to get away from the nurse idea. And then you end up in a five minute conversation about what they just said and nowhere near what you said. I'm telling you and everyone who's listening, when a demand is made, the person who speaks next loses. That's it. It's that simple. Buy your cars that way. Negotiate your 504 plans that way. If you argue with your husbands or wives that way, they will become very frustrated. Um, and my wife and I have now been together so long, we both understand this negotiation employee, so our arguments aren't even arguments anymore. I say something, no one will answer. She says something, no one will answer. And then we go, uh, that's the end of it. And yeah, so, my, so. Husband and I, my husband and I have been together for almost 14 years. Yeah. And yeah, we don't really argue that much either. Or if we do, it's about trivial stuff like, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> it is funny when you've when you've been with somebody that long and you and you actually get into an argument. You can look back later and say, "I willfully got us into this argument, mm-hmm. like because I knew where to go to make it an argument. Because you very easily know where to go to not make it an argument too." So, mm-hmm. um, I so I think I also think that there's something about openness and and honesty and kind of humanity. Like you just have to go in there and say to her, like this person, like I would, I would start with a, with a one-on-one conversation and I would start very quickly by going, look, I know, you know, that this isn't going, you know, this hasn't been going exactly the way either of us wanted to, but I just want to put you in my position for a second. You know, here's some things about diabetes you might not understand and explain them to them or explain what you're trying to accomplish and why what you're trying to accomplish is important health wise and and sanity wise and psychologically for your daughter and maybe for you too. 
and put her, just try to get her in your shoes and then just tell her, look, I know that at the moment it seems wrong to you and you can't see how, but I'm telling you that if you let me start this next school year like this, like my daughter's A1C is going to go down, you know, Mm -hmm. her, her, her average blood sugars are going to be better. And just, I, you know, the explanation I used back in when I used it, I said, look, and for people who are listening who haven't heard previous podcasts, like there's one back there where I talk about, I think it's called texting diabetes about how Arden and I do things at school. But basically Arden has a CGM that's, you know, a share that goes up to the cloud. I can see it on my iPhone and and my, now my Apple watch. And, um, she sees it on, you know, her Dexcom receiver, but she also has an iPhone that acts as a bridge to the cloud. And she and I text back and forth. She never goes to the nurse's office. But it doesn't just, it's not just for like the highs and the lows where that's perfect and fantastic. Here's a specific example. Prior to share and texting, if Arden was eating lunch at 11, at 10.55, Arden would get to skip out of school at class a couple minutes early. She'd go to the nurse's office. She'd test her blood sugar. The nurse would say, your blood sugar is whatever it is. They'd bolus for it. She'd walk across the hall and start eating. So there'd be food in her for 20 minutes before the insulin even did anything. Mm-hmm. And she would inevitably be high. And you wouldn't go back to check for three hours because that's the idea, right? In Arden, we think the insulin action time is three hours. It takes three hours for the insulin to work its way through Arden and do everything it's going to do. Mm-hmm. So then not till two o'clock does she go back to the nurse again and check her blood sugar. And then you look and her blood sugar's 280. And you go, oh, well, we missed you know what I mean? Like shucks. And then she boluses again. And, and the whole day went like that because it was, it was, she'd go in in the morning. If her blood sugar rose during the morning, no one knew. So she could end up 200, 250 before lunch, just as easily as she could go in before lunch and be 75 for some reason. Mm-hmm. So now not only do we see those rises and falls and do we bump her blood sugar around, you know, in the moment all day long. And, and it's not to say that it's happening constantly, you understand, but you know, there are moments um, around 9 a.m. where Arden's blood sugar seems to want to go up on its own. So instead of, you know, waiting till 11 when it's lunchtime at 9 a.m., I give her insulin, mm-hmm. um, which opens her up to being able to have a snack last year with everybody else at 1030, which we never would have done with, with um, or at 10 o'clock, which we never would have done. But now we did that anyway. The best part is, if, a, if lunch was at 11, Arden at 10.30, she and I would talk and we would test. If Arden's blood sugar was 140 at 10.30 or if it was 90 at 10.30, we would pre-bolus for lunch at 10.30. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, everyone's insulin works differently. Arden uses a Pedra. It, it's, uh, in my opinion, a, a smoother acting insulin. It's not so harsh. It doesn't start real fast or end real fast or anything like that. But... If her blood sugar is 90 at 1030, I don't say, oh, well, I mean, okay, so we're not, you know, you're 90, so we're not going to pre-bolus. Go ahead and go down and we'll do it before class. What we would do is you use an extended bolus. I would still say to her, what are you going to eat? You know, you feel hungry? And she'd say, yes. Do you think you could eat everything that's in your lunch? She said, I'm going to. That's 70 carbs. So what I would say to her is, let's bolus 35 or 40% of that 70 carbs right now. And then we'll extend the bolus over either a half an hour or an hour, depending on how low she is at the time. If she was 90, I would do it over an hour. If she was 120, I would do it over a half an hour. So that by the time she sat down at 11 o'clock and started eating, 
not only had she had a pre-bolus of 40% of those carbs, but the other 60% had been going in slowly and was all in as she started to eat. Mm -hmm. This idea keeps Arden's blood sugar so much more in range. Like that one simple concept. It is impossible to accomplish without a CGM and without the texting. Because can you imagine me trying to explain to the nurse that a kid with a 95 blood sugar is going to get five units of insulin? (laughs) Right. Um, Can you imagine me doing that without being able to see if her blood sugar would randomly fall all of a sudden? Like, because I'm able to accomplish this because you put in the, you put in the pre-balls. If something should go completely wonky 15 minutes later, which I want to say to everybody never happened, but if it did, the CGM beeps, it beeps on my end. I could call her if I needed to. And the next words I would say would be open up the juice box in your purse and drink it. And Mm -hmm. we've made some sort of a mistake. So you're never in a dire situation. Um, And that's only possible through that, that, that connection. And like I'm telling, you know, I've said in the past, I'm not saying it to, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, it's not an ego thing. I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at us. Arden's blood sugar or her A1C, it hasn't been over seven in so long. I don't remember how long it's been. And the last year, we're down at like 6.4, 6.1, 5.9. And this is without significant lows. Right. You, you know? Yeah. We've definitely seen an improvement. Because like I said, fifth grade was our hardest year. That was her last year of elementary. And then this past year in sixth grade, where she is not going to the nurse all the time, she's doing more uh, independent care. She is still required to check in with the nurse. She's still you know, not allowed to really text with me or anything. But we saw um, she went from being mid to low sevens in fifth grade to her high, her highest A1C was her last one in May. She was 6.8. She was six, 6.5, 6.7, the entire last school year up until the end. And imagine if you, then the way you're managing blood sugars, when you see what after school and overnight, imagine if you had that other third of the day, you'd Mm -hmm. be down, you'd be down at six. You just, our, you just would be. Our biggest issue is we see, because you're talking about lunch and, and, you know, afternoon checks and stuff. With her, our biggest issue is the morning. So she she eats breakfast. Oftentimes she eats breakfast as she's walking to school. You know, mm-hmm. she'll make toast or a toaster strudel or whatever. Breakfast is not the most nutritious meal in meal house. But that's, you know, those are her preferences. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, she'll she'll have, you know, whatever on the way to school. And then what we'll see is that she spikes. Oh, Even sure. when we do a pre-bolus, you know, we have that 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 morning breakfast spike. And then she's high all morning. Right. And what I really saw this last year is that her classes that she has in the morning, I'm hearing more reports of her teacher of she's not paying attention yeah. or she's talking back or she's grumpy or she's, you know, doing other things. And, you know, they're blaming it on her ADHD, which, of course, is a factor. But then I go, but we don't have this problem in the afternoon when her blood sugar is fine. Right. This is because she's high. Yeah. And see, this is because she's high for several hours every single day. And you have that CGM. So you see she's high. You could – is she on a pom-pom? I'm going to use the word Yeah, bolus. she's on the Omnipod. You could yeah. be bolusing more, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, but instead you're not talking to each other and, and she's just sitting there. It's just – it's – I mean, that's that's it right there. Their rules are keeping her blood sugar high. That's mm-hmm. what I would say. And I wouldn't make any – don't make any apologies for her choice of meals. That's not That's not for them to know. 
you know, just say, look, we have a problem in the morning with our blood sugar getting high and we could be making, you know, we could be getting it down much quicker and maybe not for nothing, but maybe I could see, you know, if we really were handling it properly, maybe I would then see something we could be doing to keep it from getting high. Like maybe we'll learn something from this instead of her just sitting there, you know, with her blood sugar so high that her her thoughts are clouded because her thoughts are clouded. She's reacting unlike herself or it's exasperating her, her ADHD or however you want to think about it. But you're not helping. You keep telling me you're trying to help her, but all the rules are doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have such a great argument. You know, I think if it's made right, you, you end up you end up all right in this, unless they're just set on being obstinate to you, which I don't. It doesn't sound like you're at that spot yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm hopeful. We got a new um, district nurse supervisor this past year. And I only ever talked to her and met with her one time, and that was at our 504 meeting. And I think this year that if the assistant principal or whoever else is involved, you know, on site at the school is a little more resistant, I think I'm going to try to pull her in a little bit more. Because we had an issue at our last 504 meeting last fall uh, where they they were reluctant to let her carry her meter and test in class. Yeah. Even though her doctor's order said that she could, even though her 504, you know, they were agreeing to that accommodation. But they're like, well, we really don't want her to do this, though. And they had spoken with the nurse that we had the previous year which is the one that wanted her doing everything in the office. And I said, no, I said, absolutely not. We're not doing that because in fifth grade, it was like next year, she can do that next year. She can do that. She's going to be in middle school. She can do that next year. And then it came to middle school and they're like, no, we, we want her. We still want to micromanage everything. It's such an arbitrary statement to begin with too. Like, Oh, in middle school, it'll all be better. Right. But then what happened, but then what happened, right. Is then the, the, the new district nurse, you know, coordinator was there and she goes, she doesn't need to come to the office and test her blood sugar. She said, does she know how to do it on her own? I said, yeah, she does it on her own at home all the time. Right. And I said, she could have been doing this all along, but they wanted her to be supervised. She goes, I have elementary students who check on their own in class. She doesn't need to come to the nurse for that. And then the assistant principal seemed kind of taken aback because I put my foot down and then the nurse backed me up on it. So I, I, well, maybe she is going to be helpful for you then. That that's yeah. a great, it's a great idea. Have have have, have, have we, we um, oops, sorry, sorry, I lost my signal again there. Have oh. we have we not talked about anything that you wanted to talk about? Because we're over an hour already. Oh my goodness, we are. Yeah, no, I think um, I think you've given me some really good ideas, and you know, it was a really good conversation to have, and it's always good to you know kind of pick the brain of someone else who is who has the things that you want. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I would say very simply this, like, it was a long process. I had the, I guess the good fortune of being able to start it early. You know, Arden had diabetes before she was in school. So mm-hmm. I was able to go to the school prior to her even going to kindergarten. And the first time I went in there to have conversations with them, they, they looked at me like I was a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that was going to happen. So I let that part happen. And then we moved forward. And then something happened where we were able to, I, I was able to actually kind of point to it and say, see, look, this is what I was telling you was going to happen. And then it did. And, you know, so maybe had we done this, then that wouldn't have. And, you know, it was a, such a slow slow build to a decent, you know, relationship. I mean, I look back on kindergarten and I was just banging my head against the wall constantly. And now going into sixth grade, it just, it couldn't be better. Like, I don't know if within, you know, as long as I'm being reasonable, 
and doing what's right for Arden. I don't imagine there's anything I could go in there and say that they'd be like, no, no, we're not doing that. I think they would try anything at this point, but that's because we've built this trust, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it did take a long time, but it's got to start, it's got to start somewhere and they've got to be willing to give a little bit too, because otherwise, and I don't like talking about this, but otherwise, if this continues, you have to get a child advocate Mm -hmm. and that just, then it's going to get contentious you know then you're going to have it's going to be a fight for the rest of your life then they're going to hate you and you're going to hate them and it's going to it's you know it's not going to be great but it might be what you have to do to get concessions Mm -hmm. Um, and i hope it doesn't come to that because the way you know if you can work it out on your own it's going to be much easier and and much more real so i'm sorry that you're going through all this (laughs) i mean it stinks but but it sounds like you're it sounds like at least you're I mean, you're engaged and you're going to you're going to work it out. It's just it takes so long. It's so frustrating. It is. And it's just finding the right tactics to kind of to kind of get them to understand cuz yep. cuz like, you know, as a parent, obviously it's frustrating, right? Because you go in there and you ask for something and they say no and you don't understand their reasoning for it. Right. And they don't understand your reasoning for wanting it because they see, well, this is our rule and we don't want to have to bend more rules than we have to. Arbitrary rule that has was set up so yeah. far in the past that none of us know why. I retold an old wives tale like an old story in my when I wrote, I wrote a book a couple of years ago, it's a parenting memoir and I I talk about the- I read your book. Oh, I have it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's just say the title out loud, Life is Short, Laundry is Eternal. And and but I so I told that story about the um about the pot roast, right? The pot roast story. The um mm-hmm. the little girl, you know, is watching her mom make a pot roast one day and the mom takes this meat out and she cuts both of the ends off of it before she puts it in the pan and the daughter says, Why did you cut the ends off the pot roast? And the mom thinks for a while and she goes, Oh, my mom used to do it. I guess that's why I do it. So you'd have to ask grandma. So the little girl gets on the phone and calls the grandmother and says, hey, my mom cuts the ends off of the pot roast before she makes it. Oh, you know, why is that? What, what are we doing that for? And the, the, the woman thinks for a while and she goes, oh, that's how my mom used to do it. So that's how I did it. So the girl goes, you know, to the to the, the old folks home to visit her great grandmother who's, you know, in her 90s and says, great grandma, I have this question about this pot roast. Why did you cut the ends off the pot roast? And the old woman thinks really hard for a second. And she goes, oh, I had a really short pan. <laughs> and I think that that's really how a lot of decisions get made in the world. I, I really do. I think, well, somebody did it like this, so I do it like this. And no one ever looks back to see why, you know. And and now school's making decisions about your kid's health based on this is how the guy that had the job before me did it. Except mm-hmm. that, that, you know, those decisions might have been made back when people were peeing on sticks to find out what their blood sugar was. And yeah. now you have a piece of technology that's that's telling you what your kid's blood sugar is constantly, you know, through technology that these people didn't even understand back when they made these rules. So, I mean, I don't know how you get that through to somebody, but, you know, in the last hour that you and I have been talking, I've been watching Arden's blood sugar, and it hasn't moved from between 114 and 108. Mm. So, um, had it been going down or up, there's all kinds of things I could have done to help it keep in that range, and, and there is too for you. So, yeah. All right. Well, I hope this was helpful. I will put a link to Arden's 504 plan in the show notes of the show. And you could feel free to download Arden's um, 504 plan and use it in any way you see fit. Um, 
I know that there are a lot of kids with type 1 diabetes in our school district, and I think they're all using Arden's 504 plan. Yeah. Um, and so That's funny. We've actually run into issues with her because she's one of very few kids on a pump in our district. She's the only kid on a Dexcom in our district. So right. we've been kind of fighting tooth and nail for those things to You're be... clearing a path for people. Yeah, That's yeah. Nice and so this is just one more area where we get to be the lucky ones to kind of bang our head against the brick wall. <laughs> right. well, Jessica, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and having such a personal conversation in front of a lot of people. Um, and hopefully it will help somebody else who might be in the same situation. Um, let me say this. If anyone would like to be on the Juicebox podcast, just go to ardensday.com or juiceboxpodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, hit contact, and let me know that you would like to talk about type 1 diabetes or parenting, and uh, you could be on just like Jessica. Uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, thanks so much for coming, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Scott. It was good to talk to you. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you are enjoying the Juicebox Cod, eh, that's not English. If you're enjoying the Juicebox podcast, please tell a friend. Follow me on social media at Arden's Day or at Juicebox Podcast. Thank you so much to Omnipod for sponsoring this episode. I will see you next week. <laughs>